In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. John the Baptist speaks the truth. That's what prophets do. And this morning we find him by the banks of the river Jordan, renewing God's people with the promise of God's dream. The promise of God's dream. He's about the work of getting Israel ready for the life that the Messiah is going to make possible. It's a life that's going to change the course, the trajectory of all the nations. This Messiah is to be a light to Israel that is to pour out to all nations, as we heard from the prophet Isaiah. One who ranks ahead of John is coming onto the scene of history. And when John the Baptist sees Jesus walking toward him, John the Baptist declares the truth. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's gospel has set forth with its extraordinary prologue, which we heard at Christmas. Remember that? In the beginning was the word. We're just right after that wonderful prologue. But John's already set forth that in the person of Jesus, the word of God has become flesh. Who Jesus is is who God is. Another way to say it is there's nothing in God that is not Christ-like. And God didn't decide to be like Jesus for 33 years and then change course. There's nothing in God that is not Christ-like. God from God, light from light. And the good news of the gospel, the good news that's brought us together this morning in this place is that we can have, as John Gospel tells us, life in his name. He's come to bring life. If we're to be loved by him, if we trust him, if we become his friends, we'll know life. Yet that fullness of life in his name, that joy that is on offer in the gospel is not only a gift, it is a gift beyond measure, but it's not only a gift, it's also a call, a call to action, a call to do something about it. Jesus will later say in this gospel, just as I have loved you, what? You ought to love one another. Remember that? That's here in John. Just as I have loved you, that's the gift. So you must love one another. That's the call. That's the challenge that Jesus puts before us. So for us to be a Christian is to come to trust in who Jesus is. That's what John's trying to tell us. Pay attention who this Jesus is to come to trust that, and then to stay close to him, to listen to him, to watch what he does, so that we might become like him and love like he loves. And Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, has shown us in word and deed that this love can extend even to laying down one's life, loving us to the end. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our Savior absorbs the evil that prowls around like a roaring lion that seeks to destroy us, tear us apart, 
from God and from one another. Our Savior faces the violence of our world, faces the racism, the power-hungry greed of our own lives. He takes it all. And as the prophet Isaiah puts it, he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, he was oppressed, and he was afflicted. I'm not confused. This isn't Lent. We're just after Christmas, right? We've just celebrated the birth. But what is John saying by those baptismal waters? Behold the Lamb of God. Sacrifice. He's pointing us already to the cross. Isaiah says, the righteous one, my servant, shall make many righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In our gospel story, we see John the Baptist speaking the truth, not just on one day and then getting distracted on the next. Prophets stay focused, focused on pointing us to the one thing necessary for our life and for our salvation. And a couple of John's students, a couple of his disciples, those learning from John the Baptist, they're standing next to him when Jesus comes back the next day. And in case they didn't get it the first time, John says, look, the Lamb of God, here he is. And the point gets through to Andrew. You know, it takes us disciples a couple of days at least for the point to get through. And we learn that Andrew and the other disciple who goes unnamed, and I love how John does that, So it could be John the evangelist who wrote the gospel, or maybe it's meant to be blank so that you and I can put our name there, insert our name in. The point gets through to Andrew and the other disciple, and they follow Jesus. And the first thing that we see Jesus do, and the first thing we see Jesus say in this gospel of John, we heard this morning. First, he turns to those who are following after him. He turns to them. What a beautiful image. It's like God at the beginning of of the Bible in Genesis, seeking out Adam and Eve in the garden, seeking after us in love. Jesus turns around and looks at them. He seeks after us. And then what does he do? He asks a question. And how we respond to Jesus's question changes everything, then and now. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What's important to you? What matters? The English translation of the Greek falls a little flat with what are you looking for? It is really saying, what is important? What do you stake your life on? His question is now put to every person who reads this Gospel of John from the day it was written until now. Whoever listens to it or hears it proclaimed, that same question that Jesus put to Andrew comes to us. What are you looking for? Are you seeking the truth? If so, come and see. Stay close to Jesus. Discover that the spirit of truth rests on him. It remains on him. And thanks be to God that in every generation since that day, Since that event on the banks of the Jordan, people have responded to Jesus's question by following him. People have received the gift of who he is and allowed his love, his sacrificial love, 
to take root in their own lives. What I mean to say is that saints have been made. Saints have been made. Little Christs have been formed, and they've been lights in their own generation. Some of them, some of these saints, like Martin Luther King Jr., have even sprung up out of the waters of baptism on these American shores. So be careful. Martin was searching for the truth in his life, in this life, and he met the truth in Jesus Christ. And like John the Baptist, Martin became one of history's most powerful witnesses to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Martin Luther King Jr. was first and last a disciple, a person who received the free gift of God's love made manifest in Jesus, but he didn't stop with only admiring Jesus from afar. He took up Jesus's invitation to come and see, to come and discover the costly contours of a life committed to love, a love that takes away the sin of the world, to risk it all for the sake of that love, to even lay down his own life. Martin Luther King Jr. knew that Jesus' love is a gift beyond measure, and it's a call that makes demands on us. Because the Lamb of God, this sacrificial love, exposes everything that lurks in darkness, everything that sits under the dominion of sin and death. He comes to expose it, shed light onto it. And what happens is that those dark forces lash out with a terrifying fierceness. Evil is real. Evil is real, and it prowls around us, seeking to destroy us. And we're naive if we think that Jesus came preaching mom and apple pie. Jesus was declaring that through him, the reign of God had come into history, and that in him, evil's power was going to be broken. The reign of God exposes everything, all of the darkness, everything that revels in the sin, racism, economic injustice, and evil. And what does the darkness do? It pounces. The darkness sits on the neck of Jesus until he breathes his last, suffocating him to death at 33. Martin Luther King Jr. was the most hated man in America before that bullet went through him, ending his life at 39, one year younger than I am. When the light shines in the darkness, evil gets to work. The darkness doesn't go quietly, it lashes out, it does all the damage that it can. The KKK prowled in the night to terrify and hung black bodies from rope on trees. The Romans did the same thing to oppress people with nails on trees. Jesus is not mom and apple pie. He's the savior of the world who wants to save our souls. He's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world by taking it on, absorbing its blow, and through his sacrifice of love, ushers in the kingdom of God and breaks the bondage of sin and death. 
the one that John the Baptist points to, the one that Martin points to, changes everything in our lives and the history of the world if we'll follow because his is the sacrifice, the sacrifice that we participate in this morning in the Eucharist that calls us to new life. And this Lamb of God brings peace, launching the reign of God. And what does he ask us this morning? What are you looking for? What is important to you? Martin Luther King responded to the invitation to come and see. And this weekend, this morning, if we dare, we can too. The promise is life in his name. The truth that can set us free. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.